leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside Anthony Brown. I am Garrett Bouguet. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, on this episode, Anthony and I are going to be discussing... Uh, some rule changes, some that have already taken place, and whether we agree or disagree with uh, how they've been implemented and whether we think it's uh, been a positive for the game, and and also some ideas that uh, we have that uh, we think could still improve the product. Of course, Adam Silver, the, the current commissioner of the NBA, has shown that he's willing to make changes and willing to think about and adapt, and, and that's uh, that's a real positive, and I think something the NBA has a big advantage in as opposed to like the NFL with a guy like Roger Goodell. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say most sports organizations have an advantage there of not having a Roger Goodell. Right, Uh, and you (laughs) know, someone that's very stuck in the past and not willing to make any changes and um, so I think the NBA is, uh, you know, is a a league that's, that's willing to think about this sort of stuff. You know, there was the um, the whole situation with the All-Star game, I believe, last season being in Charlotte, and because there was some anti-LGBTQ legislation, right. uh, they moved it out of Charlotte, and you mm-hmm. know that was a very progressive move from the league, which is a good thing to see. For sure. Um, but uh, you know, a couple of the recent developments in terms of rule changes uh, that have taken place is like with the All-Star game. And how this year they changed the the all-star format to, instead of it being the Eastern Conference players taking on the Western Conference players, Mm -hmm. uh, it ended up being a Team LeBron versus a Team Steph. And they actually had a a draft where they went back and forth. And and we also did an episode where we did our own version of that draft. (laughs) Uh, But what did you think of that idea and and, and that execution of that as well? I was kind of skeptical... coming into it but i liked it yeah uh, the it looked like the all-star game was a lot more competitive mm-hmm. uh people wanted to win for their side a little bit more as opposed to in the past where it's just kind of a weekend that people blow off and try to avoid injuries which makes sense but uh yeah it was it was kind of cool especially towards the end to see you know lebron really going at it well, really the whole game lebron was really getting into it you could right. tell he really wanted to win well, what yeah, about you? And, yeah, the um, you know specifically LeBron and Steph, I feel like uh, uh, you know wanted to win because their name was a- applied to the team. You know, just a right. simple thing like that is you know Team LeBron. It's LeBron losing. That's his fault. <laughs> then you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you had you had the the best players uh, having a little bit more of an incentive. And then you also got stuff where you got to see players play together that you haven't seen before. Like right. getting to see LeBron and Durant on the same team was really neat. Right. Uh, and you know you had uh, you had a bunch of different situations like that where yeah when it was the old format where it was just East and West and some guys are in the same conference their entire career. Right. Uh, you know you never got to see Kobe and LeBron play on the same All Star team because again. Right on the east and west respectively mm-hmm. uh so uh it was it was cool as far as that and it brought a little bit more to the table and and yeah the uh, the effort seemed to be a little bit higher this year than it had been in previous years uh so that was a positive uh and you know the other the other big night in the all-star weekend is the all-star saturday night mm-hmm. uh, and they have a few events including the three-point contest and the dunk contest yeah. and and uh, the skills challenge 
Uh, and I didn't know until this year that they even have a talent competition. What? <laughs> uh, Wait, was that serious? <laughs> yes. Oh man, um, they uh, I they, that. they had uh, um, <laughs> they had people. Uh, Victor Oladipo sang with a choir, showed off his voice. Okay. Um, you had Jameer Nelson and Danilo Gallinari with a cook-off. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Gallinari made an Italian, you know, pasta dish, and Jameer Nelson made, like, salmon and vegetables and things. Okay. uh, Let's see. You had Dwight Howard doing impersonations of, like, the TNT crew, which was truly awful. I was going to say, like, (laughs) I don't know that he's known for impressions. Yeah. I don't think he is. Yep. He's, I mean, he obviously does them and thinks highly of himself, (laughs) but, uh, you know... Uh, I think uh, the judges, too, I think uh, one of them, I think it was either Shaq or Charles, gave him a zero <laughs> out of ten. So uh, they didn't think he was very good either. Um, oh, that's awesome. But that was the first time I noticed that was a thing. Um, yeah, me and, too. Uh, um, I kind of like that idea, though. I mean, to show a little bit of different side of these, these players, you only see them playing basketball. Right. I bet, oh my gosh, Shaq would have loved that back in the day because he was basically doing that without a quote-unquote talent show he's just right oh he was using the game to to, to do those and, mm-hmm. you know that's fun that's well awesome. and they had uh, i think terrence ross of the orlando magic uh showed off his video game skills which is a hard thing to show off right uh he ended up playing this professional gamer in a fighting game okay i think it was tekken or injustice one of those sure uh, and uh you know he was getting destroyed by the professional gamer because he's not a professional gamer himself and it's like oh and you're basically you just got to hear what the professional gamer thought of him that he was learning things quickly and that sort of thing but it's like okay. well we can't really decipher if you're actually that good at this right because you're getting beat by it. yeah maybe have him play a normal person and have him <laughs> destroy them like play charles barkley at this game well yeah. maybe not because charles i'm sure would be horrible i don't think he does any yeah. video game stuff yeah, he's very old school and kind of old fashioned in terms of he thinks like video games are a waste of time and right. that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah. So, what a uh, out of those uh, you know those Saturday night All Star events that do take place. What are uh, what are your favorites uh, out of those? Do you prefer the dunk contest, the three point shootout? What do you like? Well, I mean, I didn't really watch any of it this year. I think historically the dunk contest was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a poster uh, in the, my home downstairs in my parents' house uh, of like the dunk champions from uh, the first one all the way through, uh, I think Brent Berry is the last one. That's <laughs> um, when I was a kid. Uh, but yeah, I always loved the dunk contest. And then there were a few years where it just was really not that great. And right. Um, well, yeah, there was a there was a stretch there where the creativity was lacking because you know when the dunk contest first starts, like yeah, you, you can do anything and people haven't seen it, right? You know, and then after ten, twenty years of it happening every year and a bunch of people trying a bunch of different stuff, it became almost where like oh, basically all these dunks have been done, right? And then it became kind of like a show about flair where Blake Griffin brought out the Kia car and dunked over that. And, and there was like, a choir singing. Right. It was like, and it wasn't that good of a dunk. Though. Exactly. Uh, it became more about the spectacle than the actual slam dunks, but it's a slam dunk competition. Right. Um, so, uh, I will say, though, there was uh, a couple of years ago, the Zach Levine-Aaron right. Gordon dunk contest was absolutely fantastic. That one was um, great. Yeah. That's the thing about the dunk contest that I think, like, that's why it's the last event of the night, mm-hmm. uh, is because when it's great, it is really awesome to watch. Right. Uh, I personally prefer the three-point contest because of, you know... Pretty much every year, it's a fun watch. It's never, right. you know, like the best three point contest isn't going to beat the best dunk contest, <laughs> but certainly the worst three point contest <laughs> is a lot better than the worst dunk contest. Very true. Yes. Um, and and this year's dunk contest was kind of, you know, there were a couple of pretty nice ones, but overall it was yeah, it was kind of forgettable. Great. Whereas the three point shootout this year featured um, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, who made twenty out of twenty five threes. 
for twenty a score of twenty eight, and Clay Thompson made like I think eighteen of twenty five for a score of twenty five. So that was like a a wild final round of the the three point contest. So that was yeah. fun. Um, but you know I've I've never really been a fan of the skills challenge. You know where they dribble through the cones and they have to pass it through that circular mm-hmm. uh, thing, and then they run down the floor and make a layup and then make a three. Uh, it it really like uh, it comes down to whoever just makes the three first usually wins. Right, exactly. Uh, and um, they they split it up a couple of years ago to to it making a, bra- a a bracket on one side is just the guards and the other side is the big men. Okay. And the first couple of years the the big men won every year. Huh. Um, I think this year the the guards finally finally took it, but. Hmm. Uh, like no matter how much you mix that up, it's still just kind of boring. I think there's agreed. Yeah, uh, I think there's a couple of of things they could replace that with. It would be pretty interesting. Is there anything you had in mind that would be fun? Uh, I didn't have anything in mind, but I do agree that like that compulsion to test skills in the NBA, where it's very skill based. I don't think they're weird. Playground. That obstacle course obstacle really course. does anything as yeah. far as that's concerned. Um, but yeah, what are your ideas for that? Uh, so one of them would be a horse competition. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. So you know you could uh, again like being able to shoot from three quarters court or shoot behind the backboard or do crazy <laughs> you know reverse finishes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be it would be really neat to see see what the guys could come up with. Oh yeah, and you know it's it's another one of those things where I feel like you could get just about anybody to compete in that because it's not a physically draining thing. You know, right. people aren't going to be worried about being tired from playing a game of horse, <laughs> right? But it could be a really fun spectacle, I think. And uh, you know, that's something I feel like all of us average basketball players have played a ton of games of horse. Totally, and, and uh, that's something I think anybody really can relate to. Whereas you know, maybe the slam dunk contest, although it's cool, like. <laughs> If you can't do a dunk yourself, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's it's hard to relate to that. Yeah, I would really like to watch that, I think. And I've seen clips on YouTube. It wasn't part of All-Star Weekend, but like Pistol Pete playing against George Gervin or John Havlicek playing against someone in horse. Um, and I think these current players could get a lot more imaginative of, you know, uh, the shots that they're doing. Instead of just over the backboard or reverse, they could... They might be shooting from the stands or something crazy, you know. Right. That'd be awesome. Um, the uh, the other event that, uh, that it might be a little bit uh, more difficult to pull off logistically, but uh, a one on one competition would yeah. be would be really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you would want to get the best players in the game to do that because people want to see. Like, you know, it, it would be really neat to see. You know, even back in the day when Kobe was just getting started, see like MJ versus Kobe, how oh, cool would that man. have been one on one? And or even AI <laughs> versus MJ, that would be fun. Yeah, AI probably would have would have destroyed some people in the one on one contest. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that would have been crazy, just breaking ankles left and right. Yeah, um, um, but even seeing like a LeBron Durant one on one would be really cool. Uh, there, there's a lot of you know Steph Curry versus James Harden sort of yeah. something like yeah. There's there would be a lot of interesting matchups that uh, that could happen that would be really fun. If if you could get the players to commit to it, then yeah, I think that'd be really. And even cool. even something as simple as like you know even just playing to to seven with ones and twos, sure. you know, make the games relatively short, mm-hmm. uh, and then make it like an eight person field, so you have, um, you know. Uh, basically, a quarterfinals, a semis, and a final matchup mm-hmm. could be. I mean, heck, if it if it has to be only to five, the first to five, you know, even if it has to be that short, it would be cool just for just to see those guys take it seriously in in a one on one sense. Uh, and again, half court, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a lot of running and up and down either. Uh, it, it could be really fun, and but but yeah, I feel like that's going to be tough for the the NBA to pull off and and right. get the players to back it as well because. There's always the injury concerns and that sort of thing. But, right, right. Um, another uh, another interesting potential rule change that the NBA has talked about recently is to their playoff structure. Okay. So um, the most recent uh, development is Adam Silver, I believe, at, during All-Star Weekend, talked about 
contemplating what Bill Simmons, uh, somewhat of an idea Bill Simmons had about a decade ago of like a <laughs> play-in tournament sort of situation yeah. where you had um, kind of a March Madness-like thing to just to get into the playoffs. You know how uh, March Madness they have, I think that the tournament starts in, on a Thursday, but uh, a few years ago they, they went from a 64-team field to a 68-team field. Mm. And had you know however many games on that Tuesday, and then those teams that won were able to then get into the bracket, right? Gotcha. Uh, so that would be kind of what uh, what the NBA is discussing here, except it wouldn't be nearly as uh, <laughs> as wild as Bill Simmons's suggestion, which was essentially all the non-playoff teams oh. competing to try to get the last couple spots or whatever. Wow. This would be the seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds. Um, competing for those last two spots Mm -hmm. so in essence it would be the seven and eight seed would play each other with the seven seed hosting and the winner that gets the seven seed then the nine and ten seeds would play each other with the nine seed hosting and the winner of that game would play the loser of the seven eight matchup and then the winner of that game would get the eight seed Mm -hmm. so um you know just a uh, I guess another way to potentially add a little more intrigue towards the back half of the playoff roster, and it would make it so that I think one of the the key motivations for the NBA as to why they would want to adopt this change is they're doing everything they can to try to prevent the tanking from happening. Right. And if you have a team that's in the 11th spot in the standings out of the 15 in the conference, you know, right now they would be out of the playoff picture and say, let's try to lose and drop down to 15 if possible. Right. But if they could get up to the 10 seed and have a chance at making the playoffs, maybe they would try to win more games as opposed right. to lose. Uh, so that would be an interesting way to try to, to curb that tanking process and add a little more intrigue to the, the bottom portion of the playoffs. Yeah, I like that idea. Do you know when they're talking about implementing it? Or? I mean, they... Uh, you know, those conversations are happening now, so I can't imagine it would be implemented for another couple of years at the earliest. But yeah. um, the fact that they're, that he's bringing it up in a press conference, you know, means that they're having serious talks about it. So, um, that is exciting. Wow. The, um, the other question, though, would be how interested would you be as a, uh, um, you know, as a, a watcher of the sport of actually tuning in and, and checking out that play-in tournament when you're talking about teams that are, most likely mediocre. You know, the right. seven and eight seeds in the playoffs are generally, you know, they'll be a little bit above 500 most of the time, but mm-hmm. those nine and ten seeds, you're talking about teams that are probably 500 or maybe even slightly worse than that. Right. Uh, so you're talking about, uh, you know, a tournament consisting of not great teams, and aside from the fan bases of the specific teams that are involved, I don't know how much uh, interest a casual observer would have in that. Yeah, I I think you're right. I'm not sure the casual fan would be watching it, and I'm not sure that I would even want to tune into those just because, unless it's like a great matchup, you know, Uh um, you're you're still looking at that that kind of worst seeds there. So, but I like that idea of trying to mix that up instead of like you're saying the eighth or whatever seed can coast there, and the you're talking about like a, a 10th, 11th, or like 11th seed just kind of saying, well, why should we even compete, you know? Right. It's better to tank, and I and don't like that idea. Potentially get a higher draft pick. Yeah, yeah. And, and I get that in our current format, tanking works, and it makes sense to tank, but you kind of just hate to see that as a competitor because right. you want them to be trying their best. And you know? people are paying tickets to see these teams, and you don't want to pay a ticket to see a team intentionally lose. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's just not good for the product and for the league and for its fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the other the other interesting complication that that would provide is with the the NBA draft lottery, mm-hmm. You know, they um, which... Uh, is another thing we can talk about how they are making changes to the draft lottery. That's already going to be in effect for next year's lottery. So this yeah. upcoming one is the last in the old format where the worst team has a 25% chance of mm-hmm. the top pick and a 75% chance of one of the top three. So they, you know, they with the ping pong balls, they select one ping pong ball for each of the top three picks. Gotcha. So essentially, you get the as the worst team, you get a twenty five percent chance three different times. Yeah. 
uh, and then the second worst team has like a a twenty percent chance, and the third worst is around seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, uh, they're changing that, and they're taking all three of those teams down to sixteen percent, and then they're raising wow. the teams towards the you know some of the better teams at the end of the lottery. They're raising their percentages up a little bit. Okay. Uh, to make it more of a crapshoot, you know, and and again to try to not incentivize the teams that are tanking. Yeah. Uh, so that like you know if you're if you're the eighth worst record in the league, you still have like a six percent chance at the you know uh, at getting the number one pick. So right. it would make teams not care as much about dropping as far into the standings as they do now. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on that? Uh, I personally am not a huge fan of it. I think. Um, I think they're, you know, they're taking the whole tanking thing a little too seriously in terms yeah. of trying to stop it. Uh, I get that it's it's frustrating to see teams like you know willingly not try, right? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and rest healthy players and and all that stuff. It's just not it's not great. And you'll see teams play combinations of guys that you, you just know don't work together, right. so that they lose. Uh, but. Given that, uh, you know, and especially if they they end up making the changes to the playoff format where you give the ninth and 10th seeds a chance, you're only going to be seeing that from just one or two teams in each conference. So I don't right. really think that's as big of an issue as they're making it out to be that you have to change the whole lottery system. And, and I personally also don't like the idea of, um, you know teams that are really struggling that really lack talent not right. getting the necessary talent from the draft because the lottery is you know right. kind of working against them and like a, a golden state team getting the number one pick just out of luck <laughs> and like all right cool let's add another top pick <laughs> yeah yeah it's not really fair um but the uh the complication with the whole seven through ten play-in format is with the lottery and you know mm-hmm. right now it's the 14 non-playoff teams are all in the lottery and you all and you all have a chance to to get the number one pick but if you make it a seven through ten play-in tournament uh you know they might have to change the lottery and add a couple of teams right so that uh you know you if you're competing to try to get into that play and you're not also losing a lottery pick. Right. Because that, again, the reason for tanking is to improve your draft pick. So if you're making it so that these teams that finish 10th no longer get as, uh, the chance of getting a really high pick, then they're going to want to avoid the tournament. Right. Uh, so uh, they're probably going to have to change a little bit with the lottery as well, where even maybe the 7 through 10 teams are also still in the lottery even if they make that play. Right. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Uh, the other, um, you know, you were mentioning like a, a situation where Golden State could get the number one pick. That brings up there's another sort of lottery reform idea that's been that's been talked about over the years uh, called the wheel, okay. which essentially makes it so that every team gets the same, you know, different draft picks over the course of like a, um, you know. A, a six-year span or something like that where, you know, you get a high pick and then you get a middle-of-the-road pick and you get a late pick regardless of your record in the the standings Hmm. Uh, so that it's it's literally neutral. There's there's nothing to the idea that some team's getting just incredibly lucky like the Cavs did, getting the three number-one picks in the whatever four-year span that LeBron was gone. Right. Uh, But, you know... According to the wheel, that process would every now and again provide like the NBA champions with the number one pick in the draft. And right. You got to think about that and say, like, you know, is that what would make the league healthy and prosperous is giving the best team the best prospect? Yeah. I don't know if I like that idea of like, yeah, because if, if you're just one of those teams where you maybe you're a bad team, you end up with a high pick one year but the next year there's a prospect coming up that you would have been in a position to get and now one of these better teams gets you know what i mean like right it's getting a high pick is great but the specific pick you know getting the number three draft pick you might need one that's a good fit for your team and if they're not a good fit for your team then i don't know that that could change a lot right 
I'm um, not sure I like that as much. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a fan of that. I just, but yeah, I, um, that's interesting. you know, that I totally understand the idea that tanking is not fun to watch, uh, and you know, if you can if you can make changes like that, plan format the playoffs to, you know, to prevent some tanking in some ways. Like I'm all for that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you need to um, help the worst teams in your league get better because you know. You don't want the same teams being great for you know decades and decades. You don't want the same teams being bad for decades and decades. Right. Like there needs some to be some challenges in there, right. right? And you know the fact that the Sacramento Kings have been you know a pretty horrible franchise since like the Chris Webber days, right? Uh, is not good for the league. Like it would be beneficial to the NBA if uh, at some point Sacramento became good again and got yeah. that city excited. You know, you want at at various points of time, like all the franchises in a good state, and, right? And uh, that that wheel format, I, I think, would uh, would prohibit that a little bit from happening. Definitely. Uh, as far as the um, you know a playoff change, I would like to see uh, even more so than that play-in tournament is to have just a playoffs seated 1 through 16 regardless of conference mm. and i think that would be the best way because i'm all for the best if you're gonna have 16 playoff teams make it the 16 best teams in the league yeah you know right now it looks like you know there's going to be a, a team or two in the western conference that's going to miss the playoffs this year that would have made it in the east mm. and if you just picked the top 16 records they would get in. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, yes, like the West has been much better than the East for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've had years where, I think it was three or four years ago, the Phoenix Suns won 48 games and missed the playoffs. Right. Whereas there have been a few teams in the East that have been, uh, you know, 500 and gotten in. Yeah. So that would be, to me, if I'm making a change to the playoff format, that's the first thing I'm doing mm-hmm. is because again, you want to see the best teams, and it would also lead to some better matchups as well. Because you know those, like you know, some of the the best matchups currently are those four or five matchups where you've got the closest teams record wise playing each other. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you had it as more like the eight nine, and they were legitimately like you know had the same number of wins most likely because you're talking about the top 16 records you're going to have the, the two that are closest to each other are going to be really close record wise yeah that those would be really entertaining series to watch and it would it would add some of that flavor that the the all-star game this year added where you've got matchups of teams that you haven't seen before like you could right. have the Cavs and the Thunder play in the first round potentially something like that yeah. which would would add some some intrigue to the league as well it really would and I mean, I uh, like I usually do. I I think back to uh, some of the matchups in the '90s, and there were definitely some times where the the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals could have very well been the finals exactly. with the matchup. And uh, I'm I'm trying to think of, of some. Well, of them and look right at now. and just this year, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if things play out as we kind of expect, it'll be Houston Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, right. and those two teams appear to be the best two teams in the right. league. Why not just have them be the finals? Right. Um, instead of having them go against an inferior team. Because you want the finals to be the best team. Yeah, yes. I kind of I kind of like that. It kind of does away with a little bit of the Western versus Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe those those conferences can stay in just in terms of scheduling because of travel, like we've you know, we're saying, but yeah. I mean, would you still keep Eastern Conference and Western Conference if we're all just in the same well, league? Well, no, it wouldn't. Okay. It would It would be like, uh, and, you know, the, the other complication would be the television rights where, you know, right now I think it's, you know, TNT and ESPN have the, the rights to the, the conference finals. So one year TNT will have the Eastern Conference finals and ESPN will have the Western Conference and then the next year it'll flip or whatever. But you could you could still do the same thing where TNT has the one semifinal and mm-hmm. the ESPN has the other semifinal. It just right. would and it would just be a matter of like uh, um, 
yeah, I don't know exactly what you would call it, but you would be the champions of that side of the bracket. Right. Uh, as opposed to an Eastern Conference champion or a Western Conference champion. Right. Uh, but but you also mentioned something about travel, too. That would be the only other issue would be, right. uh, you know, when you've got the Eastern Conference and Western Conference playing each other, generally the travel's going to be not as bad uh, to get to the finals. And, you know, with the, the Golden State-Cleveland, that travel's pretty difficult. Right. Uh, and that's right. what they've had to do in the finals the last couple of years. And that, you know, you could have that matchup earlier in the playoffs. Right, uh, which would add a little bit to the travel, but you know they're flying first class. They've got their own pri- private jets. Like I, I don't yeah. think the the travel, especially in a situation in the playoffs where there's no back to back games, I don't think it's it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I I kind of like this idea. I think that would make it more exciting. Yeah, um, the uh, a couple of things in terms of uh, the the off season that I think would be uh, would be interesting is. And I think is has been a bit of a problem for the NBA and, and in terms of team building for general managers is the fact that the free agency and the draft, the timing is the free agency comes after the draft. Hmm. And you saw a case with Denver, the Denver Nuggets this year had it, had that issue where they would have preferred it to be flipped, where free agency comes first because they you know they trade. The 13th overall pick, which ended up being Donovan Mitchell, who went to the Utah Jazz, right? Uh, for Trey Lyles, uh, who's been really good for them off the bench, a 6'10 guy that can hit threes and post up, and really good offensive player. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then the 24th pick. Mm. And so Lyles is a power forward, and then they drafted another power forward with the 24th pick. Yeah. But then in free agency, they get Paul Millsap, who's an all-star power forward. Uh, and so, but they had no idea in the draft that they were going to get him. They couldn't be confident because that would be tampering to to know that information right. beforehand. Uh, so you know, you know, if they if they would have known they had Millsap first, if free agency came before the draft, then with that twenty fourth pick, they would probably go in a different direction. Right. Uh, so. That would be something I would like to see changed. I think that would really help general managers and team building uh, because the free agency is the crapshoot, whereas the draft, like once you have your pick, you you're in control right. of the players that are available. Right. I like that idea. Yeah. Of, of switching those around for sure. What are your thoughts in terms of the regular season length? Uh, mm. You know, that's been something you know. These teams like the Cavs and Warriors that have been to three straight finals in a row, uh, it seems like the regular season is a slog for them. <laughs> They're kind of just bored. Right. Because uh, the games don't actually matter that much. Uh, the Cavs feel confident that regardless of the seed, as long as they make the playoffs, they're going to be the favorites in the conference. Yeah. Uh, Golden State, I don't think, is is too concerned that Houston's got a better record than them at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, but you know, there's also the idea of the history of the game, and that it's always been 82 games. Right. And uh, you know, the other the other thing that I think is in the favor of maybe reducing the amount of games is not only for player health and that sort of thing, but uh, the idea that unlike you know a sport like baseball or something where you're counting up the amount of total home home runs, and that's a big thing. Like he's right. had 700 home runs. The counting stats don't matter much in basketball. We, we when Not we talk much, about yeah. when we have the great player conversations, you know, certainly LeBron hitting thirty thousand points is a great achievement For and sure. all of that. But you know, I think the more of the focus is, oh, he averages twenty eight points a game, or you know, you look at Russell Westbrook winning MVP. The the big thing was he averaged you know close to thirty points and uh, you know ten rebounds and ten assists like having the triple double so it's it's more about the averages as opposed to the counting stats which would right. would make the transition to less games a little easier because that the the you know the averages don't change right um i I like that that would it would make it a little tougher maybe to compare those eras though right because... and especially like if you're comparing teams right right. Because um, they're not winning as many games, and then that's less opportunities to compile stats every year too. Mm-hmm. So you probably wouldn't have another person catch up to LeBron with the, that thirty-eight and eight club in terms of yeah. thirty thousand 
30,000 points, 8,000 uh, 8, assists, 8,000 rebounds, um, just because you don't have as many games to try and catch that. But player longevity is going to be longer, more exciting games, because you're not having to rest people as much. Interesting. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in favor of reducing it a little bit. Okay. I, I don't think it should be anything substantial. I, I feel like I would be happy if it was like to 74 as opposed to 82 or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, just cut out about eight games, keep the season length pretty much the same, and just cut out those back-to-backs. Okay. Really. You know, I think most teams are averaging around 15 back-to-backs. You know, if you could cut that in half... I think that would be really beneficial to player health and, and also sure. the overall product that you're seeing out there on the floor. Sure. Uh, and, you know, at 74, you know, the the team records and stuff wouldn't be that drastically different. You know, if a team uh, winning 60 games would still be elite, it would be even more elite to win 60 at right. 74 as it would for 82. But, you know, still I feel like going 50 and, uh, you know, 24 is still, you know, you're winning twice as many games as you're losing, basically. Right. Uh, so the 50 win benchmark would still be similar. I, I like the idea of keeping those benchmarks, hmm. in, uh, you know, in a similar way. And, yeah. you know, a 60 win season would still be doable. Yeah, I like... I'll, I'll have to think about it, because I think I'm still, like, in that just tradition mode of, like, uh-huh. it's always been 82. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like there'd be a lot of improvements with just going down slightly i don't know that i'd want to go down to like 40 something or oh 50 yeah of games. course no no um but <laughs> 74 is not that big of a change that i think it would probably help the product like you're saying um that is a lot of back-to-back games yes when you're traveling and stuff too like right man, that would be tough uh and you know the the 74 is you know is still a lot of games but it's not uh um yeah, the the cutting off seven mm-hmm. or eight back to backs would be you know very helpful to the to the guys avoiding injuries and then you know for the in terms of the amount of games a player plays in a season yes there you know Michael Jordan notoriously played eighty two games every year or whatever right um, uh, and you know there are certain guys that still do that but a lot of guys rest you know a few games here or there especially the older guys coaches will sit them down every now and again and and maybe if you just lower the game count that coaches wouldn't feel it necessary to do that as much right and and it might even possibly be more enjoyable for someone who's on that edge of casual fan and you know maybe bigger fan to want to tune into more games just that there's not as many games to tune into i know one of the barriers for me with baseball is just there's a lot of games in their (laughs) season yeah it just feels like every year they're either right about to start the season or in season or it's like oh it's the world series again didn't you just weren't you just playing baseball before yeah um it feels like it never ends so i don't know well another thing i like that the nba has going for it that other sports like in particular the nfl uh, is not able to do is you see every team matched up against every other team in the nba right you know every team plays everybody at least twice yeah, you know the Eastern Conference and Western Conference generally play each other twice, and then, you know, in uh, in conference opponents you play either three or four times. Yeah. So in essence, I think what would happen if you reduced like from eighty two to seventy four is a few of those teams you play four times, you'd play only three. Right. Uh, so I don't think it would still keep that. What's really cool about the NBA is that mm-hmm. if you want to see this matchup, this specific matchup, you're still going to get to see it a couple. Two right. to, to three times in the in a year. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. Um, right. an, another uh, another way that I think would be an interesting way to sort of uh, this would be a more minor change to lower the workload of the players, but the opening round has in the past been a five game series as opposed to a seven game series, mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of liked the five game format, yeah. especially when you've got. You know, you've got a first round, a conference semis, a conference finals, and an NBA finals. It's, uh, you know, it's a little monotonous to have seven-game series, seven-game series, seven-game series, seven-game series, where I think it's nice to have a little bit different in that first round. And and also, you know, the thing that would be nice about the first round being a five-game series, and which is best of three, is 
the idea that a lot of the first round series aren't very good. Yeah. And, you know, especially the 1-8 matchups, you know, there's been a couple of times where there's been great upsets, which is cool. Uh, but for the most part, those are sweeps. Those are blowouts. Right. And, you know, having to watch four of those games is, is a bit much. Whereas if you could just cut that by 25%, uh, it, it would make those a lot more tolerable to sit through and, and watch all that. And yeah. and I think the five-game series also gives the underdogs a little bit more of a chance, which would, would add some more excitement into that round because, you know, if, say, the home team, the top seed, wins the first two games and then the road team goes home and wins the next two, game five is, you know, is the decisive game and the you know, the the road team would have all the advantage, or yeah. I, I should say all the momentum. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I really enjoyed that, the five-game series and how, uh, you know, condensed it was. And, uh, you know, I, I do like that the NBA in a seven-game series, most of the time the better team wins. I, I like the fact that that happens. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, a one-game series is, you know, almost there's too many variables in play and something crazy can just happen. Right, right. Uh, but a five-game series I feel like is a nice middle ground there, especially when you're dealing with round one where, yeah, again, a lot of the series can get kind of boring. Uh, you know, to add a little excitement, add a little drama, add a little, you know, a bit of a Cinderella element yeah. like that March Madness has to the NBA, I think would be a positive. I agree. Yeah, it'd be cool. Speaking of March Madness and, and college basketball, I think uh, one rule that's been, uh, you know, heavily talked about is the one and done rule. And right. uh, how, and for those of you that aren't aware of what the one and done rule is, essentially... The NBA does not allow uh, players that are 18 and under to go into the NBA. They have to either play a year overseas or play a year of college basketball or just wait a season until they're 19 and then they're then eligible for uh, for the NBA draft. Right. Uh, and, you know, Kentucky and John Calipari are well known for, you know, basically recruiting nothing but one-and-done guys right. for their program. And every year he has to, you know, build a whole new team and everything. Uh, but, you know, it, it also, uh, one of the issues has been that these guys that know their NBA talents, that know they're going to be in the league, are just kind of going through the motions in college, don't really care about their classes. And that hurts the overall college product. Right, uh, as well as the NBA product, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on the one and done rule? I mean, I, I get why they put it in. Uh, I, I think initially, you were seeing this influx of of really young and inexperienced players that maybe weren't ready for it. And I think before, you know, yeah, the big standouts, Moses Malone, or you know, your Kevin Garnett's or, or LeBron James, would be able to come in, uh, Kobe Bryant, and you know, be a fit in the league or even, you know, in LeBron's case, dominate. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people would follow that who weren't on that level that could have, you know, they could have used a few years to improve in college. Mm -hmm. And I think anymore, kids don't want to do that. They see the money of going to the, the pros. They see that they could get hurt. So they just want to go right away. So I get why the NBA would want to put some type of barrier to, you know, because say that kid does go to the NBA, gets hurt, now they don't have a college degree, don't really have any skills outside of playing basketball, you know, really hurts them for the rest of their life. On the other hand, if they're good enough to play, I think they should be allowed to play. Right. Um, but, so, I don't know. What's And what at the point think? that, you know, you're 18 years old, you're technically an adult that has the right to make their own choices. And right. And if that choice is to want to play in the NBA, why prevent them from doing so? Right. Uh, I think one of the biggest issues is the whole idea that if a guy signs up for the NBA draft, then he's no longer eligible to go back to college. Maybe that's the, the fix, which, yeah. Uh, to me, that's just silly because... Yeah. Why not allow a guy to try to pursue a dream, and if the dream doesn't work out and he doesn't get drafted, then choose the alternative, which, you know, for most people in the U.S. would be to go play college basketball and go to school. Right. Uh, I don't see why they would prevent that from happening, and that often just causes issues. So, uh, you know, 
and that makes it uh, that much harder of a decision. So why people would then choose school, even though they're they're mostly focused on basketball. Right. That I think you might have just found the fix. If if it's not one or the other, you could do both. Where you can elect to go to the draft, but if no team wants you, then yeah, you're going to have to do something, whether that's playing overseas or whatever you would do anyway for that one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe while you're in school, then you might, knowing that you didn't get in the first time, maybe you'll take your studies a little more seriously. And, you know, I, I do think it, it helps a lot being in school and learning the fundamentals, playing at that level. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the old school mentality of let's teach the game first, then go to the pros. Um I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think there's any... Um, does that make a player better playing at that level? Uh, or is... I mean... I mean... There are pros and cons. I think okay. uh, some of the cons would be that a lot of college programs don't play anywhere close to an NBA style of basketball. Okay. So there's a lot of times that can hurt a player. Hmm. Uh, uh, but, you know, there are some programs that, uh, you know, that are... You know, very spread, spread the floor, play an NBA style of game that that is conducive to helping these kids. And you know, the the positive would be some of these kids that aren't quite ready are able to take time, get better, and grow their confidence level, right. so that when they finally get to the NBA, they're actually ready for it. Right. Whereas you know, if they uh, instead of improving and and maturing and getting better through college, if you're just put into an NBA. Uh, roster, uh, a lot of those guys, it just might be overwhelming for them. Right. I think back to when I was that age at 18, there's, I mean, not that I could ever play in the NBA, I won't, but, you know, just maturity-wise, it's it's incredible that there are players like a LeBron that could jump into the NBA and be mature enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say for most of us, it's just not in the cards. We're still kids in a lot of ways, even though we're adults. Um, we can make the, that choice. I think we should be allowed to make that choice. But um, yeah, that's that's an, an interesting debate. What do you do? You think they should just get rid of that rule then? And then my my solution would be um, if you if you want to go out of high school and go straight to the NBA, if you're good enough, like a Ben Simmons was a sure. couple years ago, he ended up going to LSU because of the the rule. Right, but. You know, a guy like Ben Simmons, if he wants to go straight out of high school to the pros, let him. Yeah. Uh, and and also, if if a guy makes that decision and doesn't get drafted, let him then go to college if he wants. Right. Uh, but then once you go to college, I think to protect the college side of this discussion mm. is to make them stay two years. Okay. So you can choose to go straight to the NBA and, right. uh, you know, if that choice works out, you can stay. If it doesn't, you can then choose college. But once you choose college, yeah, you have to stay for two. That would be my solution to, mm. and I feel like that would benefit both sides. Right. Yeah, so it's not just in the NBA's uh, favor. Do you think, uh, I mean, do you think the reason there was that influx of younger, more inexperienced players in the NBA do you think that was teams trying to grab their own LeBron? Like that idea of like, I'm just going to go for these high school talent pool or first year college players instead of waiting for... Well, there's, you know, there's... With the draft, you notice a lot of teams valuing the younger prospects over the guys that have gone to college for four years because there's more room to grow. Right. You know, and... Um, but, you know, you've seen examples of guys that... You know, went to college for multiple years, like Dwayne Wade's a perfect example. Right. I think went for three years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's plenty of cases where Jimmy Butler, I think, mm-hmm. went to school for three or four years. Steph Curry, did he go all four uh, or three? I think he went three. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so you know, there there are examples of guys that come in a little bit older, but still are able to get a lot better once they go to the NBA. But I think that's the that's the general reason why teams like those high school prospects or those one-and-done prospects is because at the age of 18 or 19, uh, if you see the athletic tools there uh, and they're so young that they can, you know, there's there's a lot of potential. I think teams love drafting that on potential. potential, yeah. Uh, so that's why I think they like those, you know, to draft the the young guys. But I think the whole 
one thing that has helped a little bit with the one-and-done rule is that teams have a little bit more of a look at these players before they have to draft them. Gotcha. Seeing them just in a high school format is a little difficult to, to scout and, right. and figure out how they would play against grown men. Right. Whereas if you get them in a college level, which is a, you know, a higher level of play than high school, obviously, uh, you, get to, you get a better idea of where these guys are. Right. But but yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion, and I think uh, you know teams. Um, I, I think there are, there are certain players I should say that are you know are, are good enough out of high school that are that, that should be allowed to go in, and uh, but at the same time you know if you're going to have a rule that that involves college basketball as well, uh, you want to you want to make it something that they would support. Right. Also. Right. And I like that two years. Then if you don't get in. Uh, it seems to work out for them, and it, I think would work out for that player as well. Getting two years in college, which I do think is valuable, mm-hmm. you know. Um, right. So yeah, and you know, having to stay the two years, it's you know, guys aren't immediately like thinking about the NBA when they get to their freshman year of college. Right. It's like, oh, I got, I got to be here for half the time. Every, uh, you know, most people do at least. Right. Uh, so it's it's a little bit. Um, it's a, it would be a little bit more like they have both feet on the ground as opposed to one foot already out the door. Right. Thanks for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Anthony and I hope you have been enjoying the show thus far. Uh, we're still a, a pretty young show in terms of episodes, so uh, we would appreciate any feedback that you can give us. Uh, you can contact me personally on Facebook at facebook.com slash Garrett Bougay. That's spelled G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. Or on Twitter at twitter.com slash Garrett Bougay. And you could also email me at g-bougay at O-N-U dot E-D-U. So uh, feel free to uh, give me any comments, questions, or suggestions. Any feedback that you can give us, we would very much appreciate it. We're trying to improve our show and, and make it something that, uh, that you would enjoy. You can also uh, contact my co-host, Anthony Brown, at twitter.com slash akbrown2023. Have a great day. Leftovers or... The DMV, number 97, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.